if you will, opening your copy of God's Word to 1 John. We're going to be in verses 5 and 7 of chapter 1 today. We saw previously that there are false teachers in the church, and John is writing to combat those. In fact, there's going to be three errors that we see. You're going to see that in verse 6 will be the first one. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. So that's one. Verse 8, you see another one. If we say we have no sin, so that's another issue. Verse 10, you see a third one. If we say we have not sinned. So he's going to be addressing those. Those are three false teachings that these false teachers are spreading. And so today we're going to look at the first of those errors. We're going to look at verses 5 to 7. All right? Here's God's word. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. This ends the reading of God's word. So, you'll notice his repeated phrase. In each, as he deals with each of these errors, he's going to repeat that phrase. If we say... And so verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, he says we lie. So he's addressing that first error. And I just want us to walk through and see how he addresses it. He does three things in particular. First, he's going to tell us who God is. God is light. And he's going to connect that. So if you say you have fellowship with this God, but you walk in the darkness, you're lying. You're lying. And then he's going to tell us what the Christian life should look like. What, what, what does a typical Christian life look like? And there we're going to see they pursue holiness. They have accountability, one with another, mutual accountability and fellowship, members of the same church. They also, notice, require ongoing forgiveness of sins. We're not instantaneously perfect. Are you? I'm not. And so we're going to see. This is what the Christian life looks like, all right? So let's go to the very first thing. How does he confront this error that's in the church? He takes them to God. He says, God is light. Therefore, if he is light, if your life is bent towards darkness, you prove you've got no fellowship with him. All right? If you say you have fellowship with him and you walk in the darkness, you lie. Well, who is he? That's what he's doing. He's taking us to who God is for verses 5 and 6. Notice, it is interesting. So he is addressing an ethical error, but what's he do? He starts talking theology with them. 
Here's who God is. In fact, this would be theology proper. A lot of times in your systematic theology books, this is section one. It talks about the names of God, the attributes of God, the characteristics of God, the works of God, creation, providence, redemption, that. So John is combating an ethical problem with this, who God is. And he says God is light. And so in, even in doing that, he's doing something very, very important. Very helpful for us. The Christian life, friends, flows out of who God is. It's not what we think or what we make of it. The Christian life flows out of who God is. Who you believe he is. Who is God? What is God like? That's going to work itself out in the way you... If you do not think very highly of God or very... Uh, you do not esteem him highly, that will show in your life. All right? Now, light. He says God is light. That's an image you're familiar with. Uh, we sing about it in a lot of our songs. Immortal, invisible, God-only wise, light, inexpressible, hid from our eyes. It's a common theme in the Old Testaments and the New Testaments. Scott read about it from the book of James. Tracy Singleton, in our hermeneutics course, she did a project on light and darkness. Talk to Tracy about that. I'm sure she'd love to tell you some glorious things she's learned. It's used many ways, and it stresses different aspects of who God is. But here, John is bringing home this truth. God is perfectly, absolutely pure and holy. He is light. We sing about that as well, don't we? Holy, holy, holy. The words say, though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man thy glory may not see, only thou art holy, none there is none beside thee, perfect in power, love, and purity. He is light, pure, glorious, perfect. We use light that same way. So... And darkness, we use darkness that way too. So if you talk about the darkness in somebody's heart, that's never a compliment, is it? Boy, they got a dark heart. You never mean that in a good way. You also use light in that way too. We often do. So, boy, just the light of their countenance or the light of their personality, we mean that in a good way. We mean, wow, light just shines from certain people's lives. We mean that in a wonderful way. Well, John is making that assertion here. God is light. God is pure. He is perfect in justice. He's perfect in his character. He is completely holy and pure. And he does that to drive home this point. If you say you have fellowship with God, this God, if you say that, that's going to mean a dramatic change in your life. You're not going to be the same. You're not going to continue in darkness. So verses 5 and 6, God is light. Therefore, a life that is constantly bent towards, going towards, comfortable in and experiencing and 
comfortable in darkness. They don't have fellowship with him. Why? Because God's morally pure. He's holy. That's who he is. And if our lives reflect no desire for purity, no desire for holiness, we just testify that we do not have fellowship with him. It, it actually it reveals our hypocrisy. That, you know that word? As a matter of fact, if you've ever invited someone to church, you probably heard, I'm not going, they're all hypocrites. So since that's leveled against us, let us understand what a hypocrite is. It's one who wears a false face, a mask. You know the symbols of uh, the theater, Jenneth theater? You've got the, the smiling mask, you've got the frowning mask, right? You've seen these masks? You could put on one, you could put on the other. But neither one might reveal what's behind that mask. That's the hypocrite. They may look like a good Christian person, but inwardly they are not. They may look holy and pious, but inwardly they are not. They are the hypocrite. So John stresses that life, a life that's bent towards God, Godward direction, they're pursuing godliness. Uh, they desire to be holy. They desire to be moral like their heavenly father or her heavenly father. That life reveals God's grace in their lives. There's only two ways, right? So either you're pursuing that, which shows you have fellowship with God, you want to be more like the God you love and serve, or you show you don't have fellowship with him because you do not pursue holiness at all. You do not want to be like him. That's the only two ways. It's one or the other. So anyone who says you can live however you want, you can sin, you can be as immoral as you want to be and still have fellowship with God. They don't know much about the God of the Bible. That's not the God of the Bible. That's certainly not the God that John is talking about here, is it? In fact, that's their second point. If you say you've got fellowship with this holy God, but you're just walking in the darkness, you're lying. Here's your hypocrisy. You say you've got fellowship with God, even while you're walking in immorality. You're just not saying the truth. You're not telling the truth. John said that's a false teaching. That's a false doctrine. So anyone, let's just, what's, what's that look like? Anyone who says, well, I'm saved by grace, so I can just live any way I please. Or I'm saved by grace, so it doesn't matter if I'm pursuing holiness or not. Or I'm saved by grace, therefore I've got no responsibility to obey God's word anymore. Or I'm saved by grace, so obedience doesn't factor into my vocabulary any longer. John says that kind of teaching is false teaching. It's not true. The idea that you can have fellowship with God by, while living an immoral life. False. Same thing James says. Matter of fact, when J Scott said turn to James, I, saw, I thought, uh-oh, the Spirit's moving. 
but he was in chapter 1. I want you to look at James chapter 2. James says the same thing, right? And I was correct. The Spirit was moving. Because it was God's Word. But James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Can it? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one says to him, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them things they need for their body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. It's not true faith. You don't have true faith. You don't have it. John says this. So what John is saying is the same thing James is saying. If you claim to have fellowship with God, meanwhile your life fundamentally contradicts that claim, you do not have fellowship with God. You're a hypocrite. It's, and so that's important. That's important for a first century church in Asia Minor. That's important for us today to understand that, to grasp with that. It's important. Why? Because it's easy to make a profession of faith. It's easy to be baptized. It's easy to be a member and participate in a local church. Yet live a life that's not bent towards God. That's not pursuing holiness. And friends, that's not a struggle that waits until you're 23 years old. That's not a struggle that waits until you get older in life. It's a struggle that begins the moment you make a profession of faith. So young people, children, you've made a profession of faith. Will you live a life that pursues God all the time? Will you do that? Or will you make a profession and then live a life that's bent towards sin and immorality? That's always a question for, for us, all the time. So, young people, when you text your friends, or you're on, the, on Snapchat and you're texting, are you going to live in a way that glorifies God, or in a way that is going away from Him? You're on a date. What does that look like? Am I conducting myself in a way that glorifies God, that pursues holiness, or am I living in a way that pleases the flesh, answering to the world, answering to the devil? When you're tempted to drunkenness, when you're tempted to sell out your commitment to Christ for popularity and temporary things, when you're faced with challenges that it is going to be hard to live as a Christian, How are you going to respond? Will you respond in such a way that says, I'm going to live my life for God? Or will you respond in a way that says, I'm going to live my life for myself today? That starts early. That struggle starts as soon as we make a profession of faith. It is hard on our young people. Parents recognize that that weight is there on our young people and... Remember where you were when you were a young Christian. Those temptations that were there, 
the struggles that were there, how you had to fight that. Don't assume, oh, my kid's okay, they're going to do fine. No, know that that fight is real. Fight with them. Don't abandon your child to fight on their own. Don't do that. I do want to say, young people, listen to me. John, he's not letting you off the hook because you're young people, is he? He's not saying, well, you're young, so you can kind of do what you want until you get a little older. No, no. He says, if you make a profession of faith, does your life match that? Does it? Or did you make a profession of faith and your life says, that profession's not true? That's a challenge, and that's a challenge not just for our young people. That's a challenge for all of us, isn't it? Is that what it looks like? Do we live under the lordship of God? So in my business dealings, do I live under the lordship of God? In my marriage, do I live under his lordship? In, in all of my relations, one with another, as church members, as we relate one to another, do I just do what I want or do I live under the lordship of God? And submit to him first. That's what's present. Do I have fellowship one with another? Am I bearing one another's burdens? Am I encouraging other people in the faith? Love, good deeds, hope, trust in God. Am I living under God's lordship? And am I encouraging the brothers and sisters to do that as well? Or... Do I just think, eh, it's not really important. I'm happy. I got a good job. I got a great family. That's all that really matters, right? Or does pursuing God matter? Pursuing holiness matter? John says, what I want to see in the life of a professing believer is a testimony that their life is bent towards God, that they're pursuing God. That's the desire of their heart. Jared Weiss says, obedience to God is the panting of the soul of one who is enamored by God. Are you enamored with who God is? Do you long to be like God? Do you long to be like the Lord Jesus Christ? And so we don't just simply conform in the way we dress or the way we think, but in the way we act and... and, we do not conform to the world that is around us, but we want to be transformed in the renewing of our minds. We want to become more and more like the God who has loved us and saved us. We don't want to be like the world. We don't want to be like our old selves. We want to march to the beat of a different drum. We want, we want to march to the beat of God's drum. No, we, we don't want to just be different. We want to be like him. We want to think his thoughts after him. We want to behave the way he's called us to behave in the world. As he's directed us in the word. That's what we want to be like. So, the point he's driving home. If your profession of faith points one way and your life points the other way, You are a hypocrite. You are. That's, that's what it is. Uh, Titus 2, verses 11 and 12 says, The grace that God has saved us, it has saved us for what? 
Titus says, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright lives, to live godly lives, to live godly lives in this present age. Until what? The blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So the Christian life, God's grace comes in. It changes us so that when Jesus Christ appears, we're not going to be ashamed. Because we've been pursuing him. We've been loving him. I want to be more like him. So when he appears, guess what? Hallelujah, Lord. This is what the Christian life is and looks like. If If I'm not doing that, I'm a hypocrite. I want to say this. The Christian life is not this either, though. It's not a sinless, perfected life. Like, I never sin. No, no. So I'm not saying if you sin at all, you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that. He makes that very clear. The Christian life is not a sinless life. We continue to struggle with sins within, pressures from without. We need the forgiveness of sins. That's something he addresses. Verse 7, but is your life bent in that direction? Do you want to be more like God? Do you want to, are you pursuing holiness? Do you desire to grow in grace? Do you long to be godly? Because if you don't, if you walk in the darkness, that fractures your fellowship with him and with others. Is sin something you can rest in and you're comfortable with? Or you, you can't rest there? You're not comfortable in it. You're not, when you sin, uh, you're not satisfied You want to do better. You long to please him. You long to live in a way that pleases him. But friends, if that's not your concern, you're contradicting your profession. Uh, If you were ever baptized, at least in this church, usually what you hear is, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in, anybody know the phrase? Newness of life. If that was sad... And you do not walk in newness of life. You know what you're doing? You're denying the profession you made. You're saying, yeah, we said that at my baptism, but I'm not doing it. Well, does it match up? Does your profession match the life that you live? What he's saying is do the truth. Believe the truth? Yes. That's, the whole gospel of John was about do the truth, believe the truth. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. Believe in the gospel, believe, trust in Christ, believe the truth. And now he says, don't just believe the truth, do the truth. Do it. Because you are what you do. Your lives, if you believe the truth, your life will show it. If you, if you really have fellowship with God, your life will show it. If you really have fellowship with your brothers and sisters, fellow believers, your life's going to show it. It's not just going to be words. And that takes us to the third thing. What does the Christian life look like? What does it look like? Well, it means pursuing godliness. It means uh, living that out with brothers and sisters in Christ and continuing in knowing the forgiveness of sins. So, we walk in the light. We pursue pursue holiness. We fellowship with one another. We don't take lightly separating ourselves from the people of God. You hear that? 
What, what, is, what does the author of the Hebrews say? Do not forsake assembling yourselves together. You cannot say, well, God's word says that, but it's okay if I do it. Yeah, God's word says that, but uh, I watch it on TV. No, no. Matter of fact, the very word church means what? Assembly. Gathering. A called out assembly. You know, how often does he say, let's think of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, when you come together <laughs> to do, it's coming together. It's not a, a Lone Ranger life. No, no, he's called us to walk mutually and accountable with one another. We don't take separating ourselves from the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't take that lightly. That's a serious matter. And the third thing, the blood of Jesus, his son, he cleanses us from all of our sins. That's why we pray as the Lord instructed us to pray. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We can constantly do that, friends. So, this is what the normal Christian life involves. The forgiveness of sins. Yes. Pursuing, uh, pursuing fellowship one with another. Pursuing holiness. This is what... You want to know what a Christian looks like? That's it. You pursue holiness. You pursue fellowship with other Christians. You continue going to God for the forgiveness of sins. It's interesting, right? He doesn't say this. What does a Christian look like? Well, you made a decision. He doesn't say that. What does a Christian look like? You prayed a prayer. He does not say that. He doesn't say, you signed a card, commitment card. He doesn't even say this. You were baptized. Now, I want to say all those things are very important. You must respond to the gospel. You need to make a decision for Christ. You need to be baptized if you're a believer. That's your, your responsibility to obey the Lord. But that's not what John says a Christian looks like. He asks this, what is your life? Tell me about your faith. How do you, I know I'm a Christian or not? Well, what does your life say about your faith? He's not saying this. If I'm holy enough, God will forgive me. That's not what he's saying. That's not his point. He is saying if I have trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, by grace alone, I've trusted in Christ alone, through faith alone, if that is what I have done, my life is going to look different. My life will look vastly different. And the life that that will look like will be consistent with the profession I make. Pursuit of holiness. Accountable to other believers. I'm mutually accountable, one with another. I love them, they love me. I love the means of grace that Pastor Scott talked about the other week. I, I love it. And the ongoing forgiveness of sins. Friends, this is the same thing Paul said in Ephesians 2. You know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? You know this passage. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What's he saying in verse 10? You were created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. So you were created for holiness. You were saved for godliness. You were saved not just to be declared righteous in Christ. 
You were saved so that God would work in you by his grace so that you would be conformed into the very image of Jesus. That's what it looks like. So I ask you the question. Everybody, if you're a Christian today, I ask you, the: how do you know you're a Christian? How do you know it? Because that's his, that's his concern, that you know that you're a Christian. Are you pursuing God? Are you pursuing holiness? So whether you're in your 80s or whether you're uh, 10, are you pursuing following God in your life? Do you have fellowship with other believers? Are you accountable to those other believers? Or are you just kind of out floating, doing your own thing? Do you ongoingly know the forgiveness of sins so that when you sin, you pray, and he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness? That you know that every day, day by day. Are you a Christian? What's, what does John's diagnosis say about you? Is your profession empty or is it real? What's it say? Friends, we all stumble at many points, right? But is the bent of your heart towards God or away from God? Is it towards the Lord and his people? Is it towards the world and your own self and your own desire? That's the question John asked for us today. I pray by God's mercy we'll all be able to answer that correctly and rightly. And I do understand you may be here and you are in the darkness. There's no question about that. You have never bowed the knee to Christ. Today's the day of salvation. Do that today. And I'm equally convinced that our churches are filled with people that say they know Christ, but they have no fellowship with him. And it's just verbal affirmation. Come to him now. Don't play the hypocrite. Trust in him. And I'm also convinced, because I am this person, that though I am a Christian, I fall in many ways. Don't if you're like that too, don't continue in it. Don't be comfortable in it. Turn. Trust in Christ afresh. Know the forgiveness of sins. It's a sweet mercy to know. You know what? When I fail, I don't, I don't live under the guilt of sin. Because he forgives us every day. So don't bear that weight. Don't continue in it. Certainly don't grow comfortable in it unless it proves your, your profession was never genuine. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, would you hear our prayer? Would, would you make us more and more like Jesus? Lord, we do not want to merely hear the word. We want to do the word. We do not merely want to say we are Christians. Lord, we want to know it. 
I don't want to merely profess your grace. I want to possess the sanctifying grace in my life that I'm growing more and more like Jesus. So, Lord, would you strengthen your people in that way that we would grow in Christ? And, Lord, I pray even now for those three categories I just mentioned, for those outside of Christ, may they know that you are light, that you are pure, you are holy, and that they are not, and that they need a holy Christ who came and died as their substitute. And may they trust in that perfect, perfect Christ even now to save them from all of their sins. And Lord, for those that have played played the role so well, but they know in their hearts that they have no fellowship with you. Lord, may they lay down their mask of piety and and self-righteousness. And may they come to Christ and truly know what salvation is. May they, as we sang, may they know the lasting joy and treasure that only Zion's children know. They'll never have it as a, as a hypocrite wearing false faces and putting on a show. So easy to get in water and to say I'm a Christian. So Lord, may our, all of us, may our lives match the testimony that we give. And Lord, for the Christian that's struggling, may they hear those sweet words. The sweet words of verse 7. You give to us the forgiveness of sins. That as Brad preached last week, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And Lord, may we know that afresh. Bring joy to your people because we are a forgiven people. And may we pursue holiness in the fear of the Lord. I pray this in Christ's holy name and for Christ's sake indeed. Amen.